0: everybody to today's uh, podcast. This is our part of our series, the Inspirational Women in Recruitment podcast that runs alongside the the sort of standard TRN podcast that we run. So I've had a great opportunity to interview a whole bunch of amazing ladies from uh, the recruitment sector, both uh, running recruitment organisations and suppliers to the the sector and and etc, etc. So um, brings me on to today's um, guest who I brought on, who's someone I've known for a long, long time. I admire hugely. I think she's absolutely gorgeous in a whole sense of the word gorgeous. Um, and um, it's Katie Reese. who's the MD of Smile Education Recruitment, um, which has been voted one of the recruitment companies of the year by APSCO, I think back in 2017, I think it was. Um, Katie, I believe, has been in recruitment since 2005. So coming up to your 17-year anniversary soon. So there you go. Um, and also Katie um, is the MD of Smile Leadership, um, which focuses on the schools and multi-academy trusts on their senior senior hires as well. Um, she, she's a great advocate I think for what we do in this sector and I think particularly over the COVID period I know I've, I've spent a lot of time with Katie over COVID and, and watching how you've managed a recruitment business that focuses on the education sector during a pandemic has been extraordinary to watch so um, Katie a real pleasure to have you on board and have you here today and uh, thanks for joining us first of all.
1: Thank you very much James what a lovely intro. My first question was what's been your journey so far but I think you've summed that up quite well. (laughs) I
0: reckon reckon you did it much better than me. So let's talk through that. Just just give us the sort of the potted history of Katie and how you I suppose got into recruitment and how you ended up running your own business and and taking it from where it is today.
1: Yeah 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 of course yeah. So 17 years like sounds kind of scary doesn't it? I was actually thinking just before this how many years is it? So yeah May 2005 I found my way into um, recruitment as everyone kind of does I guess fell into this this role um, I started off as a um, on a temporary contract actually they weren't sure if I was gonna if I was gonna make it um so I started on a temporary contract as a resourcer um and I think it was a weak temporary contract actually um in the the IT sector um and I, I, I progressed from there I took I suppose one of the pivotal moments, really, and I know that's something we were going to talk about, James, but I think it's relevant in my journey, is in that role um, on day three. Um, I spent a couple of days ringing candidates, learning about how to get leads, how to screen candidates. Day three, they asked me to ring businesses. Um, So I sat next to a senior consultant. He showed me two calls. They said, "We've, we've got your list. There's 888 companies in London. We'd like you to ring them all and find out something useful from them so i started, <laughs> ringing, so I started ringing these 888 companies in london and find out something useful and i did pick up the odd job you know which is, is mind-blowing no idea how um day four i i sat there and i thought this is literally the worst thing that i've ever done so i went out went out to the toilet had a little cry got the manager said you know kind of thanks for the trial not for me this recruitment lark you know I'd like to I'd like to kind of finish here um and he said no come on come on to stay you know let, let's think about what you're good at let's think about um what you what you know what you can bring we can see that you've got some some talent um and I was really grateful for that actually I think he really thought about thought about me and he probably saw something in me that I, I didn't see in my myself um and I moved on then into working with one of their senior managers and I resourced for her for a couple of years. Um, and I feel quite passionately about candidate generation and the importance of resourcing within um, within recruitment. Because I think it's almost seen as sort of a, a downgraded role, like a downstep from, from being a consultant. But that was a real pivotal time for me. And I ran training for senior consultants within that business on resourcing and, and how I found those candidates. Um, and eventually she went on maternity leave and I, I took over her accounts, got more confident on winning business, doing business development, um, and moved into being um, the sales manager for their Thames Valley team Right. so that was, that took me the first sort of four years of my recruitment career um, permanent IT recruitment absolutely loved it. I knew that I wanted to be um, a leader I knew that I wanted to to, to lead people. Um I enjoyed I've always enjoyed recruitment. I enjoyed working with clients, but it was never a particular ambition of mine to be sort of the, the real top, top filler. I wanted to lead and develop um, a team. And that was always kind of where my passions lie. So we went on then um, to 2008, and that's obviously when the the recession hit. At the time, I'd never seen anything like it. You know, I was still sort of only in my mid twenties. Um, this was my first kind of proper job. I've always stuck at things. You know, been a kind of loyal person. Apart from that day four wobble, um, and I just kind of i i'd never i'd never seen anything thin like it. The business went from you know we were the top performing team within the business. I blanked for three months, as as they say, in a row. I had a list of clients, not one of them was recruiting. Um, I was in meetings, you know, talking about sort of the future of of the business, the future of people I cared about, about my colleagues. And I I just went home every night and my mind was blown about what it was like. And my my boss at the time, he had an education recruitment business as well. And he saw a real gap in the market to enter a, a different brand in. Um, you know, while IT recruitment was exceptionally challenging, I'm sure anyone who worked at that time will say the same thing. Education was was thriving mm-hmm. um, and he he saw this opportunity um, and he invited me to, to be the team leader of that team of um, small education. Um, so I was exceptionally excited by the opportunity um, and, and kind of ready to try something, something different and um,
0: and do you so, yeah. think it's that easy to be able to shift from one market? And I know recruitment's recruitment, but to shift from one market into a completely different market, is, is that quite easy, do you think?
1: Isn't it was very, very different because it's temp. So I'd never done temp before. I'd always done perm. So yeah. that was different. It's very different place in temp because on perm we kind of do all the qualification of the candidates um before they even get to a client so the client just kind of trusts you particularly on a day-to-day to send the right person and yeah. that was kind of mind-blowing for me because before it was all about getting the cv right getting your profile you know that you sent to the client right etc um whereas this kind of yeah just send me them was like whew, this, this is very strange um it was also very different in terms of um The business development side of things so you know ringing an IT company in London who's getting hundreds of people ringing them every day and trying to get past the gatekeeper you the response you get is not normally very very pleasant or often not very pleasant (laughs) schools are very different so I kind of would, would do sort of two hours business development or whatever in the morning and, and think I'd had such a wonderful time and it was all going so well because they were really nice and I had to kind of refocus my mind on on did I actually get anything out of those people because they would still reject you they still turn you down because they did it in such a nice pleasant a nice way, way. <laughs> you kind of think wow this is I don't know I had a problem with business development before this is this is lovely nice having nice chats and stuff so I think there was some some adaption to certainly some adaptations, And I'd say that the, possibly for me, the change between Temp and Perm was bigger than the change in sector.
0: Okay. Interesting.
1: So, um, yeah, so, so we built up the business from, from 2009. We, first year of trading, we made a small profit, which we hadn't projected to do, which we were pleased about. We started mm-hmm. as a team of four, all came from the IT, recruitment area who um, you know we saw potential with but weren't achieving in the market conditions and pretty soon we were down to a team of two um we recruited um to, to sort of grow the team we made that small profit and we started off in the offices of our um md at the time and it was really important to us to get our own space which we did within within 12 months um And then I guess the next sort of pivotal time for me was um, when we had the opportunity to do the management buyout of the business. So in um, 2013, um, I had my my son and I started to really reflect on... um, how things were going for me at work and you know I I was I was running the business I'd support from my director etc but I ran it I was in a good position in terms of salary and bonus and everything else but I kind of felt a little bit vulnerable that this wasn't this wasn't mine even though it always felt like mine it always felt like like my baby and I spoke to him and I think my mind was refocused on what, what I kind of wanted for my life and for my family and so I spoke to him in 2014 about the potential of me actually you know getting a proper equity share and and having that moving forward and it actually worked really nicely because i didn't i didn't know at the time but he was intending to sell his other education recruitment business right. um, which sort of left the door open for us to do this this management buyout um which was obviously massively pivotal for for me and and for my career because mm. it actually meant that this really really was mine it always felt like my baby but but now it really it really was mine and it was a real chance for me to have the to be the key driver on the strategy to not have to ask anybody else you know about what how I wanted to take it forward and, and what I what I believed in it to really put kind of my stamp on it
0: how big was the business at the MBA time when you did the MBA?
1: um we were about um 10 to 15 staff when we did okay. the
0: mbo okay and, and, the, and the actual process the journey of doing the mbo that bit in the middle did you actually enjoy that or was it quite stressful to do that
1: um i think it, it was i enjoyed it because i was excited about what the future was was going to hold and it was mm. kind of like oh my goodness we're actually buying a business you know <laughs> and I, I remember i've got two business partners and i remember emma's saying you know remember that day we bought a business and it was just kind of you know um it it, it is stressful in terms of obviously you've got to get all the legals right and you know be confident on that i guess from our point of view because we knew each other it was you know fairly amicable relationship so um which I, i guess is probably true in a lot of cases um but yeah yeah, there was a lot of legal paperwork to do, et cetera. Um, but overall I, w- I was excited by the process.
0: Good. Okay. No, great. And then, and then so then what happened from, since the MBO where, to where you are now?
1: So since the MBO, um, we knew in the first couple of years that we really wanted to heavily invest in staff and, you know, really to, to try and, um, move forward and, and push the business forward. Um, we had some setbacks. So, um, that first Christmas, um, we, um, well, the, the, the summer just as we completed it, we'd lost um, a couple of top billers to, to the same competitor. We went on and lost a further one at the first Christmas, which was quite critical to us in, in the number of billers that we had at the time and, and you know, the, the financial um, burdens that we were carrying. Um, but I think on reflection it really really helped us kind of think through what our values were and who we wanted to be in the marketplace Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that the opportunity of of losing people to to a competitor who perhaps wasn't exactly the same as us and didn't have the same offering almost gave us a confidence to think like who are we who do we want to be in the market
0: yeah
1: and if I'm if I'm honest with you James I've never really felt a hundred percent like I fit in in the recruitment marketplace and i think i felt that in the early days i'm not um particularly money motivated i'm not really keen on having um you know this is the st- this is the almost preconception that people get about recruitment it doesn't interest me to have the biggest bmw in the car park like those kind of things don't interest me and and um i think that we could probably kind of learn through that process of going through the the mbo of losing some people and understanding why they left that we really needed to think about who we were in the marketplace and, and yeah. kind of be true to ourselves and when we were true to ourselves that's when we started to fly
0: hmm, interesting okay and and did you therefore start attracting more people who had the similar i suppose belief systems to you the bit similar sort of you know that 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 belief that you know you don't need to go for the biggest BMW or car in the car park sort of stuff. It's like we're here to make a difference, or you know whatever that is.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. And we started to really think about, and um, you know, I think we attracted people who were really. Really keen on on teamwork, who did want to make a difference within the schools. And you know, we it's not saying that we don't like making money because obviously that's why we're all in business. You know, that that that's one of the key things, isn't it? But we started to kind of really drill down into what our values were yeah. and and not compromise on those and kind of back each other up. And we built a stronger leadership team who shared those same core values. And I think that really made made a difference. And you mentioned. Um, uh, the the winning of the APSCO Award, which the, was the Recruitment Company of the Year Award, and that was really important to me because it felt like somebody else was saying that what you're doing is 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 okay, that you're doing the right thing, and it was really I really felt quite emotional about it because um, I did feel like we were slightly different, and 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 you know perhaps I'm a slightly different person to to other people within the marketplace. Um, And I felt like that was kind of validation.
0: It's really interesting. I I do a lot of these podcasts, as you know, um, in in all sorts of, speaking to all sorts of different types of people. And often this comes out as basically we're slightly different and we need, and we went for that We got the validation that we needed sort of stuff, whether it be, you know, I was talking to someone who, who's just gone through a huge MBO, the massive business and that type of stuff. And you know, that was their validation sort of piece. And I don't know. And winning awards is another validation. I, I, I can't help thinking this is a trait of every recruitment leader and entrepreneur <laughs> is that you know, we, we try and do our thing and, and create our business in our ways. But we sort of quite need that validation to say, actually, your way is OK. I think that's not a I don't think that's solo to you. I don't think I think that's that's pretty much everywhere, I think.
1: Yeah, I think you've got to have these goals and aims, haven't you? And when we were small, you know, we were really, really conscious of celebrating every little win. And I think if I ever talk to someone who's at that kind of new startup phase, that is like the most important thing. You know, we used to have like a timesheet dance. We did when we got our timesheets back because it meant, you know, that person was getting paid and we were going to get paid for that money. And nowadays, you know, there's just hundreds of timesheets flying around and, and they just get done. But it's so important to celebrate those successes and I think that kind of translates and, and those successes change, don't they? And those goals change. And I think for me, you know, setting those goals throughout um, our journey has been really important. And I look forward to them and I strive for them. And then yeah. I kind of get there and I'm like, mm, wasn't quite as excited as I thought. What are we are going to do <laughs> next? You know, and that's kind of how I think it's, it's always been. And yeah, but the APSCO Award was a big one and, and kind of a big sort of, um, you know, a, a big validation piece. Yeah.
0: Well, next time I'm up at the small office, I expect to see the timesheet dance, please. I'll I'll be very disappointed (laughs) if I don't see that from the team. It's the the same um, uh,
1: It's to the uh, words of Time Warp. Everyone's
0: going to say this, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the highs and lows of your career, if that's all right. And I'm going to try and feed you a little bit with this because... You know, obviously we've just gone through a global pandemic um, education got hit pretty rough um, for a period of time and that types of as did with the recruitment sector last year etc um, so I'm presuming that was potentially a low but maybe a high coming out of it I don't know but you know t- t- talk me through two sides number one you no know, your highs and lows as a, as a business leader and, and doing what you've done in your career but also I'm interested to hear about your experience over COVID and, and how that how you manage that I think more than the others, because that that's really when you get a test of you know the validation piece comes out there are you really a good leader or not i suppose is a question that comes out of the back of covid for a lot of people
1: yeah yeah the covid period was was obviously tough for us um you know and i think Maybe we're a little blindsided by it. I remember kind of a few weeks before, people would keep talking about in the office, and I've still got the message on my phone I sent to the team leaders: "Can we shut down this conversation? You know, mm-hmm. this isn't going to affect us. It's distracting us from our everyday kind of business." <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was kind of we, we were on a local um group for the Canaries, and, and about a week before the schools closed, people were sending our messages saying, "Oh, has anyone got a COVID policy?" And there was loads of them. And I emailed uh, Mark, our FD, and said. I think we should do something about that. And almost exactly the same time, he up me saying, "I think we should do something about this." So it was kind of only a, really that week before we started to to do it. And we knew they were going to close the schools, um, and we expected it. And I cried my eyes out when it came out, even though we we expected it. And um, you know, because we didn't kind of know what was coming next. We didn't know the furlough scheme was going to be available for our staff. And I take the responsibility of employing people really seriously and I would never offer somebody a job that I didn't truly believe you know could grow with us and and have a long-term job security that's important for me for people to have job security um so that kind of announcement the school's closing sort of put us into sort of crisis mode and, and and I knew the most important thing was the business had to survive and I spend a lot of time talking, talking to my dad, and I really look up to him, and he said, whatever happens, the priority is the business has to survive, you have to make that your priority, Um, which I did, and, and then, you know, I I think as, as the time went on, we obviously had to learn a lot, which I actually really enjoyed, James, Mm -hmm. I enjoyed the challenges of, of navigating through the furlough scheme, of of understanding how we could support our candidates, of, you know, all those challenges, although, um, obviously, it was tough on a, personal perspective in terms of all the things everyone else went through you know financial all all that kind of thing um i enjoyed the challenge of navigating through um, the pandemic and i always kept the people at the forefront of of my mind
0: the your your people look up to you right so in, in a pandemic situation you, you put them at the front of your mind but they must have been very nervous as well because obviously when you're an entrepreneur when you're running the business you're the one making the decision so you're sort of I suppose the thinking process well same for our business The thinking process is right well I've got to make a decision I've got to look for it, I've got to analyze it make it make a plan I suppose a lot of your staff are waiting for you to make that decision so they must be quite nervous how did your your staff react over that time
1: um yeah I think they were and I think um I think that we, I think the most important thing was the communication piece, which I guess everybody's kind of have said over and over, but it was making sure people knew all the time exactly what was what was happening within the business. So um, I did like loads of video updates on the, you know, I'd record them, even if I was just kind of walking out and about and saying, you know, it's great, get out, let's all see everyone getting out today. Um, but it, it, in terms of the important decisions, we always kept the team informed on on what was happening and why that decision was made. So on a broad basis, everybody got that information um, at the same time and an explanation, and then that was followed up individually. So we kind of divided it up between um, the directors to make sure that people were being spoken to on an individual basis and communicated to on an individual basis. And, you know, we probably didn't get everything right because nobody's been through this this before but you know we made those decisions based on on what was going to give the business the best chance of surviving for the future yeah you know on that on that day when they closed those school the schools there was no furlough scheme and we had no idea about any kind of grants or anything like that there was a real chance the business wouldn't survive
0: yeah absolutely well fair play to you from what you've done and how you got through it the um now it's a slightly different picture, I would say. Um, you know, obviously there's still a few question marks about what's going on with COVID and everything else, etc. But um, you know, how how's the last sort of six months been for you as a business?
1: The last six months have been really, um, really good. Um, I think there's a couple of things that have been really good. The first one is that the last six months encompasses the school summer holidays, um, which means that, which sounds like a strange thing to say, because obviously for us, August is not a good month. We don't make, you know, we don't make any money. But the team really pulled together over the covid period they made huge amounts of sacrifices you know personally and and for the business and a number of them just kind of worked all the way through and were absolutely dead on their feet by July so the opportunity for them to get a really good summer holiday to switch off to get some time with their families um, I think that we were a totally different business in September to the one we were in July okay.
0: it, it
1: just that that break and that that um yeah just that time off really changed everything Mm. since September the change in rules in terms of um um oh, what you call it not isolating so you don't get pinged anymore yeah um, made a big difference to us because it stopped bubbles going out it's meant that um you know our teachers if they get caught in a bubble that's um going out that meant they couldn't go to any other schools for a couple of weeks so that's had a huge impact on the business mm. um but the demand is just so high
0: yeah. um, the
1: demand for um staff in schools is so high and you know, I think the biggest frustration of us, and, and, you know, I talk to a lot of our competitors, is struggling to meet that that demand. Um, yeah. I think that's probably what's changed. Although we've always been candidate, I like your word, candidate tight, not candidate short. We've been candidate tight for a few years. It's just at a new level now. Yeah. Um, in good news, it led to the best September we've ever had um it's led to us tracking way ahead of where we we normally would at this point in the year Um, i guess the the struggle for us moving forward is at some point we're going to reach capacity with the candidates that we've got we've only got a certain amount of capacity and it's how we um, increase that pool to make sure that we can um you know we can grow and continue to go on that, that um trajectory that we're on at the moment
0: Yeah, and and, and it's interesting you mentioned about the bubbles that you know the teachers were and stuff. I just and I look back into you know what my kids went through and from a schooling point of view and just think, you know, the teachers were amazing over this period. I mean, absolutely. I mean, from my experience, certainly, just absolutely incredible. And you know, I just I feel very sorry for them and what they had to been through. And I don't think they get as much respect as they should do half the time. You know, can't be be an easy job, but you know, I mean, fair play to what they've done to manage to keep kids at least educated over that period. So.
1: Yeah. And to navigate the amount of legislation that came out and the constant changes and, yeah. you know, the schools, I know a lot of schools, we keep saying schools were closed and it's a massive point of frustration for the schools because they, they stayed open. They supported mm. the key worker, you know, yes. they the key worker kids. They adapted very quickly to using, um, you know, online tools and, and teaching online etc so I think the resilience shown by our teachers um and also the students within the school was um you know a real triumph of the the pandemic which I think maybe you know didn't get the attention as, as, as perhaps some other professions did.
0: No definitely in fact interesting, I've got my I've got my son's parents evening this evening and it's all online still we're doing like five minutes of zoom calls it's brilliant I love it I can be in an yeah. hour, and, in an hour yeah. and half an hour it's wonderful so uh, well depending if he's in trouble or not the um <laughs> Uh, One thing I did want to talk about on these podcasts, and I'm not not, not doing it to to sort of raise any sort of revolutions or anything particularly, but it's it's about this whole thing around diversity and inclusion, et cetera, not only in, I suppose, in in the recruitment sector, but I suppose also in in what you're doing in in your industry, so in education as well. Do do you think there's been a positive shift over the years, over the last recent years, um, that we're doing a better job of this, or is it still a bit of lip service, or is it still a long way to go?
1: I think that it's it's higher on the agenda, which mm. is always going to be a good thing. Um, I think people now stop and, and think. Um I try and always think to myself that we're never doing enough and never to be complacent in thinking that we're doing enough mm. um for um, you know, for diversity and inclusion. I think obviously um it's probably from my point of view I can reflect quite well on my experiences as a woman so and I think that's the best kind of benchmark perhaps that I've got and we we try and within our business learn from our colleagues so um you know following the the Black Lives Matters movement we had um we had like a a regular kind of, of, of Teams or Zooms meetings where we talked about what was happening and if we were it was an open forum, whereas if we were unsure about anything or we wanted to ask questions about things we didn't understand, we kind of shared our knowledge. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important. And for Black History Month, we all went away um, and research, did some research, which we then shared back with the rest of the team. So trying to continuously improve, um, improve our knowledge. But I think, like I say, for me, my my most personal experience is obviously that of being, being a woman. And within Smile, we are um, predominantly a female business. But back in IT recruitment, you know, we weren't. That was predominantly a male business. And I do still think there's a lot of work to be done to um, encourage people within, encourage women, sorry, within the recruitment sector and to um, offer opportunities which allow them to which allow them to progress and to be empowered that you can progress and to remove this kind of stereotype of what a recruiter what a recruiter is and does and looks like and I think that's really important I think it's really important for women to be visible within the sector
0: I think, yeah, I think you're right and I think you know that word we talked about before about the validation piece I think is quite interesting because you know, maybe there's a piece around actually just giving more women who are recruiters and team leaders the validation that you can keep moving forward. It's okay to keep doing it. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if there's a glass ceiling or not. I don't think there is. I don't believe there is. Um, I think there there are opportunities for anybody to progress in the recruitment business, but you know, maybe a big part of it is is giving people the validation and confidence that you can. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And within our client base as well, I think it's um it's really important. I mean, if we look at um primary schools, I think 85% of people that work within primary schools are women. So only 15% of men are men, yet 30% of head teachers within primary schools are male. So it just shows um, almost, you know, the progression that that men go through within those schools compared to Mm. to women. And one project I'm working on at the moment is with a local university um, whose demographic is um, uh, predominantly female, They attract a lot of um, a lot of Muslim women and, and there are a lot of expectations around the sort of roles that they will go into when they finish university. Um, so I sit on one of their business advisory committees and we talk about what businesses are looking for, what opportunities we can present, how we can show, you know, their demographic of students. What what opportunities kind of open their eyes to to what is available and then give them the skills. So what skills do they need to have on their curriculum that enable them to feel empowered to be able to do these these roles? So that's a really, really interesting um, project as well.
0: Do you you think there's the the education in educational industry is becoming less attractive or more attractive for people to go into male or female whatever race or you know background
1: interesting i think that when the economy is good and there's lots of job opportunities around i think people are less likely to move into sort of public sector roles you mm. see an increase in people doing so you know when it's it's harder. Um, economically I think that there is a huge project and I know the DFE are doing a lot of work on sort of the retention piece of teachers but I yeah. think there is a huge kind of um, there is a huge kind of piece to kind of really offer teachers and people working within schools and um, perhaps the the support that I'm not articulating myself well the support that, that people are getting within businesses you know that kind of well-being support the yeah. kind of uh, uh, just just opportunities they do work so hard and i think that there is a real danger that 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 the profession will get left behind and people will leave it because of the opportunities that aren't perhaps available to them um yeah. that would be if they worked in, in the private sector
0: no okay no, i agree okay the um I'm conscious of time, and I did say okay, I'll try and keep this as close to thirty minutes as possible with all these these things. So, if we if we focus on tomorrow a little bit and looking forward, I'm going to ask this question in sort of twofold. Three. number one is what's the future for Smile? So, what's the plan from here? What's the big grand grand plans to take over the world? Um, or and get that and, and get that bmw the biggest bmw in the world um but but also you know if, if you were looking at just the world as is at the moment the world of business and everything we've gone through if, if you were to try and change and direct the future a little bit what's one thing that you would really try and want to change they're two quite big questions but um answer how you like that.
1: okay so if you take it in two parts yeah so the few this what does the future look like for um smile mm. so Evidently, we're behind our growth plans and where we wanted to be pre pandemic um, yeah. for, for obvious reasons. Um, from our point of view, those plans haven't changed. We still um, want to increase um, headcount, we want to increase our coverage of, of geographical locations. But I think our focus pre-pandemic it was very client-based so it's very based on what we could offer our clients you know what products could we offer to them how could we innovate on those which is of course still important but I think over the next sort of um, 18 months, all our focus is on the candidate journey, all mm-hmm. our focus is on um, you know, innovating on that, innovating on the candidate generation, doing lots of different things to help get new people into the education sector and obviously attract those that that are in it. So that's our really key focus. Um, and I think in terms of um one thing that I really wanted to, to mention that has changed for me over um the course of the pandemic is that I've had to really learn to um focus on myself as well um because it was so mentally um challenging and mentally tough and i really struggle with showing vulnerability that's something that i really find very very difficult i think it's probably the way that that you know it is the way that we were brought up the way that we were taught i struggle to to show that vulnerability mm. And for me, the next sort of um, sort of eighteen months to two years really includes a, a continual focus on me and on my well-being. I've had to rethink really through what makes me feel good and what helps me to switch off and de-stress and um, really separate the fact that um, although Smile has always been my baby, it isn't me. So yeah. if something goes wrong with Smile, I don't need to feel personally kind of offended and upset. And I think that's a really important learning point as a leader is to have that real focus on yourself and to actually. I take coaching sessions now with Rhonda to really think about my quality of thinking. And, um, and I really think about what, what makes me feel good. And I think that really has a positive impact on the business. And that's something that I really want to keep working on over the next couple of years.
0: I think well, you're absolutely, well, for every, I think you're absolutely spot on with that. And I think, you know, you know, a lot of the through the pandemic, a lot of the business leaders have just been they're the ones who had to make decisions and get on with it. And we've often focused on the stuff, which is absolutely right. But I think that we can't take one eye off the ball that that if you're running a business, you're taking on a hell of a lot of pressure and challenges. And I think we do need to be selfish a little bit about making sure that we are um, as performing at the level that we should be. Otherwise, you know, we can't make the boat go faster if, you know, the crew are there, but we're steering in the wrong direction and stuff. So I think it's, I think it's a really important thing. And it's a really important message. And I think the fact that you're doing it, I think it's good and people listening to this who are recruitment business leaders are going to go, well, actually, maybe it is okay if I can, you know, focus on myself just a little bit here because I think it's business critical. Absolutely business yeah. critical. Yeah. Um, last couple of quick throwaway questions, I suppose. If you were looking at a um a particular company at the moment that you that inspires you or that has inspired you, have any particular businesses that you look at and go, oh, they're, they're doing things right or they've done stuff right in the past or
1: mm. right now? Sure, so I think it's quite an exciting business. Is um, Tesla okay? So although we talked about cars and my lack of interest in, <laughs> in cars, yeah. um, I think the, the innovation um, that they show, their commitment to, um, you know, to getting things right or not bothering um, mm. and the growth, I think that's really interesting. And I think it's businesses who are um, innovating in terms of um, the environment and you know, making, making things better are really, really interesting
0: yeah. think, um, to watch. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think it's a fascinating business, actually. And then um, a, a business leader. You can't have Elon Musk, though on that one. So a particular business leader. You.
1: <laughs> Do you know what? I really thought about this, James. And um, I know you sent me a couple of notes before we spoke. And I, I really, sh- really struggled to think about this. But I have met someone recently who really inspired me. Um, and that is... Um, the uh, the the leader of the charity that we're supporting this year at uh, uh, Smile, so we've picked charity of the year Help, Harry Help others. and Georgie Mosley, who um, runs the charity. I spent about two hours with her a few weeks ago, and is just the most inspirational person that I've ever met. She's she's selfless. Um, you know, she out of the worst tra- tragedy of losing, you know, losing a child, she's built something so positive, which has such a massive impact on so many people. Mm-hmm. Um across Birmingham and I know directly because you know they they help my friend and her family and I just it's humbling to meet somebody like that and and to see the selfless dedication they put into helping others and I think we can all learn a little bit from from someone like
0: that Totally agree. No, absolutely. And then and I don't if don't I've ever asked you this, but I don't know how much you read. I know I'm not saying that you don't read, but um, obviously working in the education read. sector, I, you can read. Well, that's a good start. <laughs> but obviously working in the education sector, I imagine you talk a lot about books and stuff. But, um, you know, is, is there a particular business book or a book that you've read or that you think that we all should be reading as a business leader or what, what would that book be?
1: So firstly, James, I love to read, but I love to read for pleasure. So I do struggle with picking up business because reading for me is another sort of switch off kind of well-being thing but there are two books that um I read over the pandemic actually which I thought um have impacted on me the first one is called sumo which (laughs) stands for shut up and move on um and I think about the techniques I learned in that book a lot one is um on a scale of one to ten how much will this problem matter in a year time when ten is death so I think about that quite a lot when I'm trying to like categorise things in my own mind. And I saw the, saw Paul McGee speak, Um, sorry, it was one of his colleagues speak at a school conference. And I'll never um, forget standing with like hundreds of um, school leaders and teachers singing Chumbawamba. <laughs> so that, that was just, so, but the book is brilliant. The book is really good and it's really practical and it's stuff you can actually implement and makes a difference to you. Yeah. And the other one, which isn't a business book, but really stuck with me throughout the pandemic is the um the boy the mole the fox and the horse you know the charlie maxi one with the beautiful illustrations yeah. and when things were when i was finding things tough every single night i got out of that book and had a had a look through and there's you know something like i can't see a way through it says you know can you see the next step just take that and little things like that And it sounds probably a little bit cheesy when you say that but but when i actually sat and read through it it really in, impacted me and I, I got it out every night throughout the pandemic
0: Good for you. No, oh, fantastic. Oh, great they're two great books. I- I- behind you on both of those listen katie absolutely as always pleasure catching up with you you know that um i think you know we we, we call this series inspirational women in recruitment you're a woman you're in recruitment and you're definitely inspirational without doubt and i think you know I, I, you, you can't forget through this pandemic that you know recruitment got beaten up heavily last year but some industries got really beaten up and like you add in recruitment to education it's like jeepers what a storm that you went through i've watched you go through it i've seen how you've managed it and how you've handled it and i think you've done an incredible job Um, So I think you should be incredibly proud of what you did. And I think people listening to this, I hope they'll feel completely inspired by your journey and what they could potentially do as well. So um, as always, a real pleasure. Thanks so much for your time, Katie. I really appreciate it. And uh, look forward to seeing you for the timesheet dance up in um, (laughs) Berlin quite soon.
1: Thanks, James.
0: Thanks, Katie. Take care.